Ready? Yep. Trust your guide. Trust your guide. Fish <laughs> on. There we go, baby. Let's go. Woohoo! Oh, baby. Bow task. No! That's a big one. Nice, Jeff. Snorts were so intimidating. I took can't be another animal in North America that can make a sound remotely like that. No. But first, a word for our partners. Alaska Rodco. Alaskan handmade rods. National Wild Turkey Federation South Sound Strutters, your conservation organization for Washington State turkey populations and habitats. Heather's Choice, healthy, flavorful, dehydrated meals for the backcountry. Use our discount code theyoungguides15 to save at checkout. Shell Art Studio, original Alaskan-focused art. Slay Jays, it ain't all about the catching. Ready to roll? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton. And I'm Kyle. And on today's episode, we're bringing Miriam back on from Orvis. Uh, we're really excited. It's been mm, probably about a, a year since we brought you on last. Um, so some updates in the shop, some updates about Miriam. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about winter sea run fishing and maybe some just winter fishing in general. And uh, so pretty excited to have her back on. So with that being said, welcome to the podcast, Miriam. Thanks, guys. Always good to be here. Yeah. So what's uh, what's new in your life, Miriam? What's gone on since uh, we last had you on the podcast? Oh, man. Um, well, right now, because it's the holiday, it feels like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> but we had um, at the shop. In particular, we had a really great FF101 season. So if anyone doesn't know what FF101 is, it's Orvis's free fly fishing class. Um, so we host it all through the summer. We had a great attendance, um, you know, pack classes all throughout the summer, um, which got us out and about. Um, and then, you know, as far as like fishing goes, had a really great fall. Um, you know, just hitting the beaches, chasing those pink salmons. I don't know if uh, you guys got to chase the salmon run, but um, it was pretty epic this year. So any day I could, I was out there doing that. Um, and then now, now that it's holiday, I've uh, sadly had to put up the rod. Um, it's getting a little dusty for my liking, but, uh, you know, it's time to get to work and be the little Christmas elves that I can be. And then hopefully, uh, hopefully we're back to fishing soon. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, kind of leading in, you know, you're talking about fishing. Um, have you done, you've done some winter fishing in the past. Uh, what do you like about winter fishing, uh, sea run cutthroats and what, what kind of things do you like to look for? Uh, I know last time we kind of dived in and talked about, you know, what we're looking for, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the structure and stuff on the beach that we want. Um, but what, what kind of stuff are we, we ex expecting, um, for the winter season? 
Yeah. So, you know, um, just building off of that, like you're still going to go to those same beaches um, because there's a lot of science behind the fact that fish stay at those beaches. So um, you're still going to go to your same beaches, Um, you know, always kind of switch up the beach that you don't that you go to. Um, that way you're not hooking multiple fish because they do kind of stay there. Like they'll leave with the tides. Um, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to be hitting this same beach, like every day that you can go fish, you're just catching that same fish over and over. So, um, but yeah, with winter fishing, things like, just like any other kind of trout fishing, it kind of slows down. Um, so there's going to be less bait in the water. So you're probably you know, instead of going for like those deceiver patterns or those bait fish patterns that you would typically throw on, um, go for the smaller guy. Just go for thing those krill patterns, shrimp patterns, you know, if you have the reverse spiders that look like the little like, pulsate like squid or shrimp in the water. Um, those do really well at this time because, um, you know, those uh, cutties are just going to be kind of sipping those shrimp um so that's what you're and as far as like what you look for is a key indication of that would be like seeing those little dimples on the water that's them like sipping those crustaceans so um that's what I look for so right now this time of year I would be um throwing a uh you know my six weight uh floating line and long leaders so you have a better delicate presentation than maybe you would with the bait fish patterns um and you know the earlier morning the tides have been you know and especially in the winter the tides can get kind of funky um but earlier morning tides tend to be a little bit more productive um but yeah so those smaller flies shrimp patterns crazy charlies that kind of stuff that's what you want to be thinking about this time of year yeah how should somebody be dressing for this time of year oh boy I mean, if you're like me that runs hot and says you run hot, you should still layer up. um, That water, because it's Puget Sound, it stays like a pretty consistent temperature, um, but you're just standing there. So, I mean, we're talking your heavy base layers. I absolutely love the Orvis underweighter pants. Um, Reason why I love them is because they have stirrups on the bottom, so they stay uh, in place, they don't bunch up. Um, they just provide an extra layer of warmth. If you don't have those, like we're talking your heaviest ski base layer, something wool, moisture wicking, so it's going to keep you dry. Um, and then like the socks, you should be wearing your thickest socks that you can this time of year. Just, you're just standing there, water's colder. Um, also the elements are happening this, you know, um, rain, that kind of stuff. So you should be having a really, really, uh, high quality rain shell or wading jacket, um, to keep you dry and, you know, having an insulating layer under that. So I like to do the Orvis pro insulated hoodie under my wading jacket. Um, it's a synthetic fill. So even if it gets wet, it, still can retain its warmth um and it also allows for heat to dump so if i do get hot like walking up and down the beach that kind of stuff um it does allow heat to dump out so i'm not shedding layers constantly so um but definitely definitely take a look at your layers so i was i was gonna add on to that too is 
it's not like, you know, when you're out fishing a river and you're wading down the river or you're, you know, running up and down the bank. It's like you're making, you know, five, ten casts just standing there while waves are crashing against you. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. especially in the wintertime, some of those waves I've been like, oh, time to go. These waves yeah. are coming in. So, I mean, of course, oh. that extra rain jacket or some layer on top to keep you dry. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of argument over what kind of gloves you should have. You know, obviously you shouldn't be handling fish with gloves, but I don't know many people that can go out there for a couple hours and not feel like your hands are freezing. So I like to have like a, um, a microfiber towel in my waders. That way I can dry my hands off because then water's not evaporating off of them. I don't like to fish with gloves. I just, it's too cumbersome. got to take them off if you're trying to unhook a fish. Um, but I do like to have a towel in my waders tucked away that I can dry my hands off so they're not wet. That's a great tip. Huge. I actually never thought about that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I oh. I got it from somebody else I was fishing with, so I, I can't tell you I came up with it, but it, it actually is very helpful. Yeah. Well, Keaton's never thought of it because he never catches any fish. So yeah, I, I don't need <laughs> I don't need anything because I don't handle fish. So there you go. Oh uh, um one thing I want to touch on too is like what's something that you learned this year new? Uh well maybe not new, but like just in, in fishing, like something that you know, a new technique or maybe like how to better read the beaches or read read water or how to cast better, I don't know. What's something that you learned this year? You know, I think um, I think probably the biggest thing would be chasing salmon off the beach this year. So that was kind of new for me. I had only fished for salmon, um, like, with gear. So that was a huge learning experience. So, you know, I was learning about timing, letting my fly drop. Um, that kind of stuff, really testing the tides, you know, I kind of figured, I don't know if there's any science behind this, but they're not like sear and cutthroat where they're dependent on the tides. I think, you know, a look going after them at a low tide just helped me walk out farther, um, to where they were. But, um, yeah, I think this year, my biggest learning thing, um, was probably just chasing, salmon from the beach and what that looked like, um, you know, how to handle and, and time an intermediate sinking line um, and, and getting your fly down to where the fish are. Uh, that was, was a trial and error. Um, and then, you know, the, the stripping motion to get them to take. So that, that was my biggest learning opportunity this year. Yeah. What, what are some resources that you use when you're like getting ready to go out salmon fishing, um, did you, you just learn it from people you ask around? Did you, you read some books? Like what was your, what was your approach? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not shy about asking for help or asking for, um, advice. So the great thing about my job is I am surrounded by anglers and I got a lot of a lot of advice and a lot of help from my fishing manager. Um, you know, he was out there every day that he could uh, and, um, you know, 
trying different techniques so we could chat about it. So I asked him a ton of questions. Um, also, you know, the Orvis Fly Fishing Learning Center. Um, there's some really great videos by like Tom Rosenbauer and those guys. Um, so I was, I was leaning on that. YouTube is a great source. Uh, the only thing I would say about that is sometimes it can lead you down to rabbit holes. <laughs> so um, take it with a grain of salt. But you know, I was kind of, I was kind of doing a little bit of everything. I was serving people, um, people who were having luck. You know, talking to people on the beach that I was at, um, talking to my coworkers, and then you know, Orvis always has um, some really great content on their learning center. So I was tapping into that quite a quite a bit that's awesome yeah i always point my clients like if i got new clients or um you know just in general if somebody has questions or wants to know how to tie knots i always pretty much send them to the learning center because that's probably the the best comprehensive source of fly fishing knowledge on online nice yeah i mean i totally agree like it, it's well organized it's easy to find things um yeah i totally agree they have a little bit of everything too, like casting, tying, uh, reading waters, all that stuff. So that's, that's a really good resource. Absolutely. How about, uh, any new gear? Like do you find any new favorite, you know, pieces of clothing? I know you mentioned like the underwater pants, the insulated hoodie. Did you find any new gear or anything that really helped you out this year? Well, I have to tell you, I am obsessed with the scientific angler line, uh, the Sonar Titan line. <laughs> that line makes you feel like a hero. Um, so it is an intermediate sinking line, and it is weighted two sizes heavier. Um, and that thing, I mean, it's you just you're throwing bombs from the beach um i took that out with a helios 3d nine weight um paired it with a nine weight um titan sonar and i was amazed at how easy it was to cast um you know i don't salmon fish a lot the the flies tend to be heavier clunkier and so i was kind of having a little bit of a learning curve with that but this line, I mean, I could, it could handle and turn those lines, uh, turn those flies over quite a bit. So that's the new line I'm obsessed with. Um, I think I'm going to get one for my six weight just so I can still have that distance. Um, the caveat to it, though, I will say it, it's a line that performs really well with fast action rods. So if you have a little bit of a slower action rod or something more moderate like clear water, it's mm -hmm. not going to handle it very well. Um, but yeah, that thing, I was very impressed. Um, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I've got it on my brand new nine weight and I'm going to get it for my six weight. <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me it's not a good choice for my glass rod. No, don't do that. <laughs> All right. It might break it. <laughs> uh, how does it, how, so you, I know you fish top water and then I know you fish subsurface. Do you notice, uh, any presentation you know is it does it present it well both top and uh subsurface or do you do you notice that maybe a lighter fly uh you know the lines flying past it not landing outright or how what have you seen using that line 
You know, with that line, I had really big flies on, um, you know, big dumbbell eyes to get that jigging motion. So it was able to turn it over in a better way than I had with any other line that I was trying. So um, it, it really handled it well. I, I did put a lighter fly on it and it still turned it over and it, and it didn't create like a big splash. Um, what it really kind of, where it really, really shines is it loads the rod. Um, it's kind of like a one and done. So you're not, you're not false casting those heavy flies. You can just peel that right off the water and, um, shoot to your target and that thing will, you know, pull right off the reel. Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool. I might have to pick one up for uh for pike fishing up here. You should do it. That would be awesome. Yeah, cool. Uh what other any other gear items new this year that you really liked? Um, you know, I I think that was my top one. I'm always like a huge um in the summer you can't get me out of my Orvis uh the sun hoodie. Um, it's the pro sun hoodie that I like, but you know, just as far as a base layer goes, it, it's really, really phenomenal. I, um, that's really all I was in all summer. Um, the Orvis pro approach pants, cause you know, it's getting hotter and hotter every summer. I'm not always in waders. Actually, um, this year I waited a lot in Puget Sound. Um, so the pro approach pants were a really, really great option for wet waiting. Um, I even did a couple of classes, uh, teaching people in them and, you know, they, they dried super quick. Um, I could take them through the brush. They wouldn't get snagged. I felt like I wasn't, you know, unprofessional wearing these pants. Um, those were, those were pretty rad. Is that like the, uh, is that like the new pants? compared to the the quick dries yeah so they are um so everybody's familiar well i don't know if everybody's familiar but a lot of people are familiar with our jackson quick dry pant um and the pro approach pant is like the fishing um equivalent of that pant so what you get with the pro approach pant is you get more zippered pockets you get a daisy chain to stash some gear on. So overall, it's just going to help you, um, you know, be really minimalistic. You have a lot of pockets to put your stuff in. The material also, I believe, is going to be more abrasion resistant. So, you know, when you have to kind of like hike through the brush, take it through blackberry bushes, it's not going to be as, as susceptible to snags and tears. Um, and the really nice thing uh, that I liked was that there is a little like kind of snap on the bottom so you can basically snap it to your wading boot um, to keep your pant down so it keeps gravel from getting in your boot which i thought was kind of a game changer that's awesome what what how's the fit in the pants are they like are they tight or do they have like a looser fit because i noticed that on the newer pants they're a little bit tighter than the original Yes. I felt like I was wearing... Um, yeah, wearing tight pants. Yeah. Um, oh. These ones are part of our uh, athletic fit. So 
I definitely would recommend anybody to size up. Um, so just size up one size and it's a comfortable fit. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm just looking at this stuff right now on, on my phone and they're they're good looking pants. You could even take that to the bar afterwards. No one would even know. There you go. Cool. What um what what can we expect? Um new items that you can share that you know about from Orvis that, you know, somebody getting some Orvis gift cards or Visa gift cards or just cash for the holidays can can purchase. Well, um I can't tell you about anything new, but I can tell you about the fact that we have the best rod that Orvis has ever made at an amazing deal right now. So um, the Helios 3D, both 3D and 3F models are at, they're on sale online, but there's a different price that is being promoted in the stores. Um, can't say it due to some other things but uh yeah we if you guys get any orvis gift cards that kind of stuff stop by your local orvis because we've got really great deals going on um the h3 rods are on sale uh our pro waiters are on sale um we've got some good options for you that's awesome cool you so we were chatting a little bit before we started the podcast and you mentioned that uh, Orvis Seattle made a donation to uh, the coastal cutthroat coalition, right? They got, yeah. they got something coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the coastal cutthroat coalition is holding their annual fundraiser um, at Hula Hula and that will be um, January 11th. There's still tickets available um, but basically, if you've never been to this uh, fundraiser, they they screen the fly fishing film tour. Um, and then they have an auction as well for gear and hosted trips, that kind of stuff. But all the money goes to the Coastal Cutthroat Coalition. Um, and this year, we were lucky enough um, to be able to donate to such a great cause. So Orvis will be donating um, a waiting system. So uh, the winner... Pro zipper waders and pro lace boots. Um, so that will be on Orvis, and you can pick them up in the store. We'll fit you to make sure that you get the right fit. Um, and it's uh, it goes to a really really great cause, and they're um, a great a great waiter. Yeah, that's awesome. And <clears throat> for the Coastal Cutthroat Coalition, if people don't know what what do they do? What are they? What are they about? I mean, it says yeah. it's a name, but like, what, what what kind of stuff do they do? So they are dedicated to the scientific research of the Sea Run Coastal Cutthroat. Um, they're super super important because there's not a lot of science for that fishery. Um, not a lot of you know science is known about Sea Run Cutthroats. Um, so they are. They are a coalition of people, um, science-based, that research the species. So, um, like, a, recently they just took on this huge project of tagging um, the sea-run cutthroat. 
and that has helped them like understand migration patterns um that's helped them understand feeding patterns all these kinds of things but basically the more we can know about this fish um the better we can uh to make decisions to protect it um you know the thing about not knowing a lot about a species is you don't know um you know the threats they face that kind of stuff so so they they do everything like i said for migration that kind of stuff um red counts that you know to make sure that the population is in good health um they do like parasite control like understanding what kind of parasites they face um sea lice that kind of thing um but they do really important work because the more science that can get behind this species, the better we can to like can make um, conservation based things. So I, I guess like I was talking to Greg, who's one of their founders um, at a recent event, and he was telling me that their tagging project uh, allowed them to understand like the numbers. And I guess certain rivers that were catch and kill are now being up for review to be catch and release only. So um they do really great work that's awesome hmm. why are they your favorite species and, and why should people care about them oh you know i mean i have a lot of room in my heart for a lot of species like i love salmon i love steelhead um but i just think there's something really amazing about sierra and cutthroat if you've ever caught one or seen one break on the surface um they're just really feisty uh you know they're not very big but they got a lot of fight in them um and they're just beautiful because they live in that saltwater environment they just have a beautiful uh look and color to them and um you know i i love a species that has bite to them yeah and you can catch them in an urban setting or you can go out and catch them in, you know, a beautiful beach with trees behind you and all types of good stuff. Absolutely. That's and, so you know, my biggest thing is this time of year, it gets hard to fish. I mean, rivers get blown out. Conditions, they they come and go from day to day. See you cutthroat. They're there for you all year round. Yeah, that, that is a very good point. So um how did all that weather i know i saw videos and stuff on like the peninsula of just rivers completely blown out what did the weather do this fall and down there in washington it looked like it just annihilated all of the fishing um you you wouldn't be wrong <laughs> um we so we had two atmospheric rivers back to back um we got a ton of rainfall you know, blew out all the water. Um, there were flood warnings, that kind of stuff. I mean, rivers just just absolutely skyrocketed. Uh, so there were definitely days that it wasn't even safe to even be by the riverbank. Um, but, you know, things are shaping back up, that kind of stuff. Um, I always tell people that, you know, it's always safest to always check the flows the day of. You never know. Um, but yeah, for a, for a little while there, it was it was more about you know safety and and uh, um, it just made everything super slow. Uh, even if you know you couldn't even make it to the bank, I, I did see I did walk by the sky and I had never seen the water level that high. 
Yeah. It was insane. What other kind? No, you're good. What other kind of alternatives do people have this time of year? You know, if, if they can't fish a river or say a river's closed, nothing running, um, if they're not fishing the beach, what other kind of options do people have around Seattle and area? You know, that brings up a really good, um, a good segue to an event that we have coming up in the store. Um, when it does get hard for access, you know, when rivers are blown out, you're not hitting the beach, that kind of stuff. Uh, a great way to pass the time and still being fishing adjacent, just to tie your own flies, you know, um, build up the box, that kind of stuff. So we'll be starting our free fly tying classes uh, at the end of January. So it, it is strategically paired with the slower fishing season you know, it's shorter days, it's harder to get over the past, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if you want to still keep doing things that are fishing related, tying your own flies is a, a really great way to, um, you know, keep productive and that kind of stuff. I don't know, Keaton, what do you, what do you have? What do you like to do to pass the time? Well, it gets, it gets tough around uh, like the Seattle, the greater Seattle area. I mean, you got beach fishing that's open. That's what you, you know, that's kind of my main winter fishing that I go after. But I mean, I have friends not necessarily on the fly, but they'll go out and catch smallmouth on like the beds and like the bigger lakes. Um, but there's not really uh, a lot of the lakes closed until April. There's some year round lakes that can be all right, but it, it's, it's just like, cold and slow fishing they're very you know lethargic uh, and just kind of hanging out not moving for much you almost got to drag it across their face if you're going to fish like some of the few lowland lakes that are open and it, it helps to have a boat so you can you know keep it moving by them um, but I've done I've gone out and fished them in the winter time but it's uh you know if you get one fish or two fish you're you're doing pretty good so it's a little different it's a little tough but you can uh you can make it like you're saying you know prep for when you know march april comes and uh and gear up and go out and fish and do that so i usually the winter time you know go duck hunting or go out and do some other activity that doesn't involve freezing so what uh when it comes to those uh, fly tying classes uh what's all included in that and uh, like how can people get involved in that yeah absolutely so just like with our free fly fishing class it's totally free um we provide all the materials we provide all the tools um and it's basically a series so we start with um the fly the woolly bugger and then um if you do that and you realize wow this is really fun you can uh join us for our what we call ft fly tying 201 um that would be a different fly and we kind of progress um and then our final fly would be the the clouser minnow so it's a series of three classes they're held on the weekends 
Um, like I said, all materials are provided. Um, all the tools are provided. It's just a really great way to kind of see if this is something that you like without the investment. Um, and then the nice thing is if you do take the class, you're like, wow, this is really great. Um, you can buy all the stuff and then you can practice at home, which, you know, we encourage. So that way, when you're ready for the next class and the next technique, you can just build off that. You know, it's like any kind of other lesson. You want to be building off the technique that we teach. Um, but they're totally free. They're held on the weekends, um, you know, mostly Saturday mornings. Um, but it's just a it's a really great way to kind of dip your toe in, see if it's for you. Um, yeah, no strings attached. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I can't can't think of a better way to pass the time. And you're what? Well, I guess you guys probably aren't watching it snow, but when I'm watching it snow, or when it was 14 degrees out this morning, and I was like, oh, nice to just uh, sit inside and drink some tea and tie some flies. I had uh, in one sitting. Um, about a week ago, I tied a whole box of 30 or uh, 30 hooks. I tied 30 woolly buggers in one sitting and I'll, I, I'll probably go through that in about two days. See, there you go. I mean, during that atmospheric river, that's what we were all doing. Time flies. Yeah. Not much more to do. You don't want to go sit out in the rain. No. You stand in that atmosphere, you know, that river, you're just getting you're 10 minutes you're soaked so hammered yeah. it's too bad it doesn't get cold enough down there for you guys to have ice fishing i know what a shame how's ice fishing been uh it's been good i haven't been out um a ton this year um but it's been good i'm i'm kind of over the ice fishing close to anchorage it's all you know tiny stocked trout and salmon they're all you know eight to 12 inches you know a big one's like 14 plus and they're all you know they look like they've been in a concrete hatchery their entire lives and they're all i mean there's nothing to eat in those lakes they're all super skinny but it's action i went out with my father-in-law uh this last weekend and we got like 70 in four hours like we didn't go more than three or four minutes without catching a fish or doubling up or I have I had two rods out and if a fish was on one of my on the one dead stick and I picked it up I'd have to put the other rod down and put my foot on it so another fish wouldn't pull it into the hole like it was just nonstop but they're all like this big yeah. so <laughs> it's it's something to do um it definitely gets me outside and I, I like being in the cold and wearing layers and stuff but um trying to venture out a little bit more and catch some some bigger fish try to do some pike and stuff things that i can actually keep and um yeah so we'll be playing around with that i got a week off coming up so i'm gonna be I'll try ice camping for the first time i've never never slept on the ice before so we'll see how that goes oh you'll have to keep me posted that sounds great yeah i i bought a new ice shelter that was bigger it's like a three-person shelter and i thought i was buying an insulated one but I didn't realize that only the top was insulated to kind of keep the heat in. So it's not going to be as like heavy duty and, you know, won't retain as much heat as I was expecting it. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out if I can make it through the night. Um, there you go. 
I'll just, maybe that first night I'll camp somewhere close to my truck so that if I have to, I can at least go back and sleep in the truck overnight. That's a good plan. Yeah. But definitely gotta, I gotta go buy a cot and get some, you know, some of those like interlocking foam pads to put on the floor, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. So Miriam, what are some, uh, some new goals for next year? Is there anything that you want to go see any new fisheries you want to approach? Are you going to try, are you going to, you know, try to sharpen your knife at, uh, uh, sea run fishing? What, what is, uh, what's on your horizon? Well, I'm a big believer in sharing your goals with people because I feel like when you let people in on goals, it keeps you accountable to holding them. So my goal for 2024 is to go striped bass fishing on the East Coast. So um, I used to live in Vermont and I have still have really great dear friends there that it is time that I visit. And that is a fishery that I am dying to um, get involved in. So um, I've got my new H3 nine weight. And my goal this year is to hit somewhere on the East Coast. I'm thinking Cape Cod, um, just because that's more about where my friends are, but somewhere um, for some striped bass. So that's really what I want to do uh, for this year. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Are you gonna try to? Are you gonna do that uh, like DIY? Or are you gonna meet somebody there? Hire a guide? How are you gonna do that? Um, you know, I think funds are a little tight right now, as with everybody, I'm sure. Um, so, but I think I would be really missing on an opportunity if I didn't hire a guide at least one day. Um, I've, like I said earlier, I'm not shy about asking questions, so. I've pulled a lot of people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I have all the answers now. Um, so I feel, I feel like the best approach would be to hire a guide for one day and then um, kind of do a, um, a DIY the the other couple days, um, just as far as budget and stuff goes. But um, yeah, so learning everything I can about that. Um, I'm very excited from everything for people like as they've described it it's like really big sea run cutthroat so i'm stoked that's awesome that'd be cool just like you guys just like anything too i mean just hiring a guide for a day and asking them a bunch of questions you know that's what they're there for some people it's give or take but you know like me personally i think kyle personally if you're asking us questions we'll you know we'll answer and try to get you going in the next you know the right direction like i've had people come out for with me one day and they're fishing the next two on their own and i'll give them like here's spots to go wade fish and stuff you know so that's the way to do it and you support local yeah and you know that actually brings up a really great point is people come in the store all the time you know and they ask like I want to take this to the next level or, you know, I really want to do this. Um, I've never gone after whatever it is. And I cannot emphasize enough. Hiring a guide is like the best thing you can do for your education level. I mean, they are basically teachers and, you know, they want to know what you want to focus on. 
Um, I mean, I don't want to speak for you guys because you guys are guides and I'm not, but don't you, don't you prefer a client who shows up and is like, Hey, show me how to do this. Um, I, I just think it's the best way to learn and, and they're more than willing to show you and more than willing to help you. Um, yeah, I think it's the best way to, to up your game. You know, I agree. I don't want somebody who comes up and thinks they know it all and won't listen. I'd rather have somebody completely open and willing to learn something new and do whatever it takes to catch a fish. All right. And, and just learn and enjoy the experience. I mean, even people that are, you know, have a lot of experience. Uh, I have, you know, a lot of return clients that come every year and they fish all over and they have a lot of fishing experience, but they don't, you know, act like they know it all. They're always open to, you know, trying something different, learning something new. And um, that's always way more enjoyable than the people that think they know what they're doing. And they just, they're just stubborn and hardheaded. Yeah. And as I a client, I think you have a better time when you're more open to, if you show up to a guide trip and you think, you know, you know how to fish um, and you're not going to be willing to take suggestions or tips. I think, just as much as the guy's going to be frustrated, you're going to be frustrated too. Totally. Well, and I would say another thing to just add on top of that is come with a good attitude, right? Like don't come out, uh, you know, right out of the gate, just kind of all grumpy, you know, your expectations are high. Like you're going to, I know for me, like if you're coming at me a little grumpy or something, it can set the mood off differently. You know, it's, I start thinking not, it's like a different approach, right? I'm trying to feel it out versus if you come out in a good mood, I'll be, you know, you're going to open up right away and be able to help and, and guide and teach right off the bat. And then it makes the whole experience better for everyone. Right. So. Absolutely. I mean, if, if I think that goes with anybody, like if you have somebody who, is not super open or grumpy or, or given off vibes. I mean, the whole time you're just trying to salvage it. You're not, you're not able to put your best foot forward because you're just trying to save the situation versus, you know, giving good um, advice and teaching. Right. Yeah, totally. I think when, once you get past the point of it being awkward or if you've got a grumpy client with high expectations or something, once you get past that and you get to the point where you're like talk, just chat, just, you know, just having small talk. I think that's when the, when the trip gets really good. Like I can recall this one trip. I had a guy, a middle-aged guy with his older dad and guys local to Anchorage and just had his dad up there. And we got to the point of the day where we're just talking about like the best places to eat in Anchorage. And every time we started talking about a restaurant, boom, hook up on a big fish, pull over land to take a photo, row back out. We'd start talking again, start talking about a new restaurant, boom, hook into a fish. It's like, we're not even talking about the fishing at that point. And it's just, everything's just kind of clicking. And you can kind of feel that when you're on a trip, whether you're, you know, fishing with friends or if you're on a guide trip, whether you're the guide or the client, like once you, that thing just starts clicking, it's just, it it's, you can't beat it. That's the magic, right? No. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, what, what was, what would be like one of those stories that stood out to you this year that like, just, 
if you if you think back about your favorite time on the water, what what's the first story that pops into your head? You know, I think I think it's probably going to be about something that doesn't even re relate to like catching fish. <laughs> um which I mean, arguably I think we're all in it for different reasons, but um I had an opportunity to kind of um, fish with some different people that I haven't fished before, uh, fished with before. And, um, this year I was able to like fish and, um, with somebody who had taken our FF 101 and our 201 and she really wanted to go after Ciaran Cutthroat, but maybe was a little bit nervous, um, about going on her own. Um, you know, not to take this podcast in a different direction, but um sometimes as a as a woman angler there's other things that you have to take into account and unfortunately that's just kind of the world that we live in and um and I could tell she really wanted to do it but she was really hesitant about going out alone and um and we were able to fish together and um I think my best like you know we talked about what you look for we had talked about um the way to like mimic the fly that kind of stuff we had talked about the cast but when it was all kind of coming together and a sea run actually like came up and chased her fly she was so excited and i think that i i take that as like the highlight of the year because i mean that's what that's why we all do this is is to experience nature in a way that is fulfilling and special and um you know she went from being you know totally new and never being on the water or or I guess she had tried to do a couple of different classes but um just nothing really clicked and and to see it all the way through uh, was very exciting um yeah neither of us caught a fish that day but it was exciting to see that things were coming together it's cool it's cool when you're that's, uh... awesome. that's a good story yeah, it's cool when you're teaching somebody and, uh, you know, you've seen them from start to finish and uh, see, well, the angler that they grow into. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not a guide and I just, I mostly keep it at the store level um, as far as like fishing goes. Um, but to be able to like take kind of that, that leap and and go with somebody um give them the confidence to go by themselves um that felt really huge yeah for sure and i i honestly think that it's good to go out with people that you've never been out with before i mean there's a point where you're like you gotta be safe right like you gotta right. know the people you're going out with like i definitely know people <clears throat> court i wouldn't hop in an airplane with you but uh um i definitely know there's like um you know it's good to go out with people you've never been out with before and um you get to you know maybe make a new friend or you get to learn something new by something they do i think it's i think it's important to kind of shake things up and not just go out with keaton all the time right keaton yeah <laughs> even though I, I mean, i'm legendary i'm just kidding keaton's fun to fish with but it is nice to shake it up hey sometimes i get a little sometimes i get a little too into it all right i will admit that and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm fishing with people right now. I should probably talk to them. <laughs> I think Miriam just wants to go out with somebody who actually can catch something. 
I know. I would. I'm still looking for that person in my life too. The time I went out with, well, I've gone out with Keaton a couple times, but the one time I went out with him, like his uncle was begging him to come back, and I could barely lift the rod anymore. My arm was so sore, and he's like, "Just one more." <laughs> he's like, "It's time to go." It's it's like dark out, and I'm like, "Hold on, there's still some fish right there." Uh, Just one more cast. Yeah, that nice. was those are fun. That's what it was like when you were up here in Alaska. It was just nonstop. I was, yeah, it's just a good time. Fishing those days are like unforgettable. So as it should be. Well, we're kind of we're we're coming to our uh, our time mark here, Miriam. Is there anything um, that we didn't ask you that you wanted to share, or anything you just want to retouch real quick before we uh, we send an outro here? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll kind of touch on some some upcoming dates that we have at the Orvis shop coming up. Um, so you know, if you are looking to kind of hone your skills in um, spay, we do have our Orvis endorsed. He will be in store on January sixth at two p.m. He will be hosting a free spay clinic on um, fishing for winter steelhead on the Olympic Peninsula. If you guys aren't familiar with uh, Keith Allison, he's been guiding for um, steelhead and salmon for over 30 years. He is a fantastic guy. Um, he's going to help with some like uh, techniques and strategies to kind of help hone your game um, and get you some better chances at this elusive fish. So we got him coming in. And then after that, January 13th, we have, um kind of a women's led day we're going to have a bunch of women's group coming in presenting on their group so ladies and waities will be in talking about their organization uh the newly found chapter well i guess not new they're about a year old now but um puget sound women on the fly will be in talking about their organization um which are great great opportunities to get involved with women who fish um, so going back to that story of that woman who was a little uh, hesitant to go out on her own, if that's you, or sometimes you just want to fish with the gals. Um, these are great groups. So they'll be in talking about their groups. Um, and then on that same day, we will also have um, uh, Anna Venturing. She is the founder of Grayling Education. She will be in doing a presentation on outdoor photography, um, which is rad and fly fishing and stewardship. So not exclusive to women, but women led stuff. So that's kind of awesome. And then once again, so you're in Cutthroat Coalition, um, their fundraiser. It's a great cause. We will be there. There will be an Orvis package that you can bid on. And then end of January, we're starting our classes, fly tying. And then we will, uh, right after that, that will take us through February. We will go into our free fly fishing classes. So if anybody wants to get anybody into the sport or dust off, you know, um, some rust, we're here for that. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. I appreciate it. And yeah, well, hopefully we can get some people headed towards those events i wish i could go to some of those but yeah i yeah. mean it's the time of year where fishing gets slow and it gets hard to go out so we want to make sure that um you know we have some events to 
kind of keep you connected. So that's why my fishing manager, Lucas, has done a really great job at getting some uh, some really good speakers in, um, get you set up for for better winter fishing or really, really have a great spring. That's great. Awesome. <clears throat> well, Miriam, we appreciate you hopping on again and uh, yeah, hope you have a good holiday season and a, a good next year of fishing. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me and always good to see you and talk fishing with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was another episode of the Young Guides podcast. Uh, we want to thank Miriam for uh, being on our podcast tonight. Um, kind of threw a Hail Mary out this week and uh, she decided to pick it up and uh, we're here talking. So very fortunate for um, her to hop on with us and uh, share the love about sea run fishing and winter fishing. Um, if you have any questions, you can give the Orvis Seattle a call at 206-717-0015, or it's located at 2101 First Ave, Seattle, Washington, 98121. Um, go down, uh, get involved in those classes, call and ask some questions. Sounds like there's some bargains down in store, so you want to get into there. Um, this I know this will probably come out after uh, the holidays and Christmas, but um, I talking prior to this podcast um she was saying that the deals will continue till supplies last or a change but uh if you have questions or you want to know if it's still going give them a call or reach out so uh, a lot of great opportunities there to sharpen your your tools and your toolkit and and get ready for winter or spring um i want to also give a huge shout out to uh alaska rod co um, Shell's Art Studio, uh, Slay Jays, and uh, NWTF uh, South Sound Strutters um, for supporting us and uh, being great uh, partners uh, in our podcast. So we're really grateful for them. Um, if you got some holiday cash and you're looking to spend it uh, either at Orvis or uh, with one of our awesome partners, um, you can reach out to them via Instagram. Um, or uh, visit our website and we have some links to to where to go visit so uh, Kyle is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to add um or one of our other partners Heather's Choice um after this podcast will have dropped um probably like a week before um it airs but Heather's Choice Heather Kelly she was on last week's episode um was on Shark Tank and um, that episode will air on Friday, January 5th. So tune into that episode if you want to watch Heather on the big screen. Uh, everybody at work is kind of getting together for a big watch party. So um, we have some sales going on involved with that. So if you want to pick up some Heather's Choice product, head on over to the website and check it out. And then uh, see how it all plays out on TV. Should be pretty cool. I always miss one, Kyle. Always one. So All good. Cool. Well, cool. Um, yeah, stay tuned. Follow us on uh, Instagram. You can see us on Facebook. We're most active on Instagram. And uh, we're no longer on TikTok because it was too much. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just follow us on Instagram and Facebook for uh, updates. And uh, we also do some tying classes and some uh, and share a little bit of uh, about our guide season or what we're doing and, and uh, updates there. So you can follow us there. And uh, yeah. We, uh, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Young Guides podcast, and uh, I think we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.